spot fat reduction is not a thing. You can't do it with any type of movement or exercise. Hi, Vibers. Today's special guest is an online coach and a salesperson at a car dealership, loves playing the guitar, is a big shark nerd, and loves helping people change their lives. Please give a warm welcome to Matt Gulia. How are you doing today? Good. How about you? I am wonderful. Were you working all day? Day off today. Oh, yeah. that's nice. That's nice. So is it actually a day off for you no. or are you doing other stuff as well? No, I was still doing client plans and, and stuff like that, but uh, day off my, like my primary job right now. And you were just saying a couple of minutes ago that you just started. So you've been doing the sales for like, what about a month now? Two months. Yeah. Two, Two months. months. And how are you liking it? I love it. I'm glad I made the leap and, and switched careers and it's, it's awesome. It's been amazing so far. Have you done sales before? I've been in sales for probably over 10 years now, but never in the automotive department. I've been a car guy for my entire life. I grew up around my dad, who was also a car guy too. So putting sales and cars together has been awesome. Oh, that's so fun. My boyfriend actually just got into sales in the last year and a half now. He's, we call him a potato salesman. He works for McCain Foods. So he goes oh, no. and does stocking, but he yeah. loves it. He's very much a people person. So loves interacting. And I feel like you're kind of like that too, where you're very like just nice and easygoing and approachable in terms of, you know, kind of coming and having those conversations. So that's good that you're really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And it seems like you're doing all the sales. I feel like every time I go on your social media, <laughs> you're selling something. So that's good. It's been, it's, it's been good. It's been good. I grew up in Barrie. So I know a lot of people and have a big network here. So it's, it's been beneficial so far. That's awesome. Well, I just want to touch on the fact that I said that you're approachable, easy to talk to and kind of, you know, segue into how I kind of first interacted with you and met with you. So you were an avid gym goer at a local gym in Barrie. And at the time, I think I was working out there and then eventually started working actually there. And you like, I swear you were I, I think you were coming like two times a day. It appeared that way, at least like I was seeing you quite often. And then you had a crew of people that normally frequented that gym as well. And yeah. I think just a couple of times, like, I don't know if I just like said hi, or maybe I was checking you in and then, you know, coworkers that I was working with and you were friends with, and we would just always be like, Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Yeah. yeah. That's one of the reasons I love the fitness community. It's, it's a big family, right? For the most part. So. Yeah. And you know what? I was never a big gym person prior to working out at that gym specifically. But part of the reason why I liked going to that gym in that atmosphere is there was a lot of people that were really well versed in like just, you know, working out and doing all of those things that I mean, I'm not sure if it's like that anymore. But when I started working out there, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I don't even know if I'm doing this workout properly, or like if my form is okay. And I felt like a lot of people were willing to kind of give you that support and help you. Yeah. And even if you don't know each other, just randomly go up and be like, Hey, I think you're doing that wrong. <laughs> it's just really <laughs> helpful, you know? 
Yeah, no, it's it's nice to have people around that are actually willing to to help and not just you know point and whatever. There's there's a lot of gym videos you see and it gives the, the gym. I don't know. You, it's such a positive environment for the most part. And then, yeah, I just, it's, it's nice to have people just willing to, to help each other. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to chat with you today is just to talk about all things fitness. Cause I felt like off the top of my head, I'm like, who is one person that I feel like is, you know, well-versed in the topic also has experienced the fact that I know you're still doing online coaching. So I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to ask Matt because I know him. I know he's nice and approachable. So I think that he'd be down. So, you know, I want to start off with when did you kind of start your own fitness journey? Like, was it something that were you always an active child and then just kind of segued into working out? Yeah. So, so what happened? I was always, I played every sport growing up right from when I was like, I was put on skates when I was three years old, hockey, soccer, basketball, everything ended up playing pretty high level hockey and then high level basketball ended up choosing basketball supposed to play in university and then had a couple injuries and that kind of set me back. So I had to step away. But in that time, I was always in the gym just for sports and stuff, different training, but I was still in the gym and I loved it. And then at the time I had a friend who was competing and do his first bodybuilding show. And I basically was asking about him because when, when I lost the ability to play basketball at the level that I wanted to, I needed something like I'm a very competitive person. So I needed something to keep me in a competitive, you know, state and bodybuilding was just something that made the most amount of sense. So, and I was already in the gym and he said, you know, you should, you should try it. So I did and never looked back and I love it so far. So, and then when you kind of started that journey of your first competition, were you already like, you know, in prime physique or were you, you know, at like a moderate level or did you really have to like, I I don't know the entire process, which I'll ask you about, but like, did you really have to bulk up or were you already in really good shape prior to? I I was in, I was in good shape because of sports, but it it was different. Like I was like an athletic, an athletic build. It wasn't as much of a bodybuilder. Like I didn't have as much muscle. I probably weighed 170 pounds, whereas now I'm closer to 230, but it, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was different, but the build was there. And that's one of my, one of the reasons my friend said, you know what, you should try this. I think you'd be good at it. And I had the discipline from all the other sports and years of training and all that stuff. So I directed it towards bodybuilding and it, you know, ended up being pretty good. And when you say that there's differences, just because I'm not that knowledgeable with everything, when you say there's differences for like training, when you're in a specific sport versus training for a competition, can you kind of touch on like, what kind of things would be different and what really separates them in terms of what you do in the gym? So the main thing in obviously in sports, you want to stay as athletic and and lean as possible so that you're mobile bodybuilding, the amount of the muscle you have to carry, it kind of, it, it can take away some of that. Obviously mobility is something that I still try and work on with stretching deep tissue massages I get and all that stuff and active release stretching. But in terms of, you know, when I was a hockey player or a basketball player, we were doing things that were going to enhance movements that we were going to make on the ice or on the court. Whereas it wasn't just trying to get bigger and bulkier. Whereas in sports, if you get bigger and bulkier, a lot of times it'll hinder your performance. So, you know, now I'm just, I'm trying to pack on as much muscle as I can. And it's, it's very different. And then the diet goes along with that too. I'm also eating a heck of a lot more calories than I was back then. Okay. So it's really like, being more lean versus like bulking when it kind of comes to those two big differences, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and more functional movements with with sports where you're doing a lot of not really functional. You're just trying to get as 
big as you can, essentially in bodybuilding, you're not really worried about the mobility aspect of it. And how long did you train before you did your first competition? Probably about three. So I did my first competition in 2016 and I started training bodybuilding style in probably 2013, three years, three, three years for one competition. Wow. I, I wasn't training for that specific competition, but oh, I was okay. training towards, I was training towards a goal of, you know, I do want to step on stage and I do want to do this. And I wanted to, you know, di- I didn't want to do it as just a checkbox kind of thing. I wanted to do it and be successful at it. So I knew I had to put on a decent amount of muscle to, to be able to do that. How long after the first competition would you typically train in between? Cause you've done a couple, sorry. How many have you done? I've done four now. So I did my, my one in 2016, qualified me for provincials. And then uh, I did provincials the following year in 2017. And then I did nationals because I came top three at provincials. I did nationals the following year as well. Then all COVID stuff happened in, in 2020. So I, I didn't compete until this past last November. So, and then I qualified me for nationals in, in, uh, next year. So, Oh, congratulations. That's super, super exciting. Yeah. I've seen you post like over the years. Cause I, I, I'm pretty sure I've been following you since before your first competition. So yeah. I've seen kind of like how you progress over the years. So that's really cool that it's gone like so successful. Now let's talk about like the fun part or the not so fun part about competing, because you talk about the diet, but also the heavy working out. I know you eat like like what, like five times a day, like chicken and rice. That's all you eat. Six or seven times a day. There's, it's not just that, but it's, it's a lot of chicken, it's a lot of rice, beef, potatoes, oatmeal, protein shakes, all that stuff. So it's a lot. I'm eating between five and 6,000 calories a day consistently every day. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. And you're just always hungry though. Cause you're just so active and like doing so no. much working or you get to a point where you get kind of sick of food. Yeah. So it's, it comes to a point where you're like, ah, well, it's time to eat now. Not necessarily hungry, but you got to do it. So when you're competing, there's different competitions that you can enter, right? Like there's different styles of competitions, right? Yeah. So there's, there's different categories. So there's men's physique where you're in the board shorts, then there's classic bodybuilding, which I compete in. And then there's open, open bodybuilding, just slight differences between classic bodybuilding and open in classic bodybuilding. It's more, they're trying to get it more like the eighties and eighties style bodybuilding, where it's not like big mass monsters. So you're actually for height. So I'm five ten. you have a, a cap. So you're not allowed to go over that. Whereas open bodybuilding is pretty much doesn't matter how tall you are. You get as big as you possibly can. And, and that's it. So. And they're critiquing you on like multiple different things, like how like your muscles are contracting and the way that they look, or is that so, why the posing? So it's, uh, you get, you get judged on basically overall muscle mass, symmetry, shape, your posing, like your posing gets, gets critiqued as well. That's, that's pretty much what they're judging. And then is there massive differences in terms of like female competitions and male, or are they kind of looking for the same sort of things, but just like a little bit different? It's different. There's, there's more categories for females. So there's, there's bikini wellness, figure, physique, and bodybuilding, and they all have a different kind of style. So bikini on, on one side of it is, you know, like a bikini look, like what, what you'd see in a bikini, what a bikini model would be. And then as you, if you, as you move towards the other ones, there's a little bit more muscle in each one and bodybuilding being on the, the other spectrum of it, where it's just like, again, as much muscle as you can. 
And then what do you find is like the most challenging thing that you have to do or just any challenges that you face when you're usually preparing for a competition? Usually it's just staying out of your own head. That's why, you know, I I think if you're a competitor, you should have a coach because even myself, I coach people, but I have a coach and it's staying out of your own head is huge because you, especially in like the last like four to six weeks, you will your mind will play tricks on you. You're like, Oh, I'm not going to be ready. Maybe I look too small. I'm not lean enough, whatever. And my coach has been great. And he basically just gives me a plan. I follow it and that's it. So, and then is there any like day of, or day before crazy prep that you have to do? Like, I, I swear, I remember somebody telling me that they have drank so much water, like a couple of days before and then not, but, but correct me if I'm wrong. No, there's, there's, well, everyone has their, their own style. There are a lot of water manipulation tricks that people use. I, I do water load a lot of times the week of, so on usually on the Monday before the show, the show being on Saturday, I'll drink 10 to 12 liters of water in a day. And then as the week goes on, slowly taper it down. And then your body continues to flush the water out of your body and you, you dry out for the show. So, but the best preps that I've had for a show is if you can not have to do anything drastic the week of the show, you're going to look the best. Cause it's a lot of times if competitors aren't ready in time, they try and make, you know, tweaks and these drastic changes and it can go well, or it can go really bad. Cause typically when you do something to your body drastically, it reacts in a drastic way as well. And that can be a negative thing sometimes. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about that. Yeah. So do you, do you have any like rituals that, I mean, you could share it's, I understand if there's things <laughs> that like you don't want to share because it's a competition, but do you have anything that like you absolutely have to do before a competition or any rituals that you have after? Cause I know after you get to eat or I mean, <laughs> some people just eat whatever the hell they want. Right. Yeah. But yeah. do you have anything that you do before or anything after that's kind of became the norm since you've done uh, about four competitions now? So I like to take as much stress out of the week before as I can. So typically if I'm going to a show that's a little further away, like this last one I did in Ottawa, I made sure I got to the hotel on the Wednesday, just so I literally had three days just to kind of do nothing, put my feet up and relax, just make sure my cortisol levels were were low and everything was just stress-free. And that's when your body looks the best. I didn't want to have any stress at all because there's obviously so many different factors you're dealing with the week of a show. So I, that's, that's kind of what, that's the only thing I really try and do is just make sure I'm at the, like close as close to the show as I can a few days before, just so my body can just relax afterwards. Always like I'm a big breakfast food guy. So the day after I always have, I go to like whatever local awesome breakfast place there is. And then usually I don't do, I don't go too crazy. Like, I have breakfast in the morning. I usually do like sushi in midday and then, you know, a nice dinner at night. And then I'm usually back on my diet on the, on the Monday, just because I want to, I, there's more goals for the next show. So. And I was, that kind of follows up to the next question is I was going to ask, do you take a break at all in between? I mean, other than the fact that you didn't get to actually do a competition that period during COVID, but do you actually take like a week or a month or do you just jump right into the next prep? So the, like following a show for about six to eight weeks, there's, there's a period there and your body is in such a, an anabolic state because you've been dieting and it's so sensitive and it's, it's like a sponge. So it wants to suck up all the nutrients that it can because you've been dieting hard for whatever, 16 to 20 weeks. So in that six to eight week period, there's such a, 
an opportune time for growth. So usually in those six to eight weeks, it's the rebound phase, we call it. And we push hard to get as much out of it as we can. And then I typically, after about eight weeks post-show, then I give myself my body a little bit of a break, kind of deload the training, go a little bit easier on the food and kind of get blood work done and everything and make sure my body's good because obviously, you know, it's stressful what we do to our bodies. So I take, I don't take time off. Sometimes I'll take a week off, just you got to listen to your body, but a lot of times I'll just pull back on the training for a bit and yeah, give my body a bit of a rest. How do you curb your cravings? Like, do you ever get like cravings for sweets or, or just like food that's, you know, not kind of within your, your plan for prep? I don't, I've never really been one for crazy cravings on prep. I didn't, I didn't have a single craving. I just, I was so focused on what the goal was. I didn't even care. I just wanted to to win. And I kind of try and keep that in the off season just because, you know, the next show is just as important as the last one. So I try and stay on diet pretty much year round. My friends will tell you that they'll tease me because I'll go to parties with my meals and stuff like that. But it's, it's not like I, I don't go without eating what I want in the off season, I get a cheat meal a week. And if I want to have something I can, I can plan it. I plan dinners with my fiance. I know there's a big get together coming up. I'll plan it so that I have my cheat meal on that day so I can be social, but I I don't really get the cravings just because I just, I have goals that I I want to achieve. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I would think that, you know, sometimes around the holidays that could be really difficult, but at least you're, you're giving yourself that, that cheat meal. Cause I know some people don't. And I think that that's crazy. I don't think I I could survive. (laughs) I think, I think you need to, I think it's good for a mental break too. Like you need, you need to live also bodybuilding is important to me, but I also have to live. I want to take my fiance out on dates here and there. And and it's like, it's just, I think it's important. So, and especially big, I have a big Italian Christmas. Like how am I supposed (laughs) to get around that? Right. Yeah. Without your family judging you too. Right. Right. Like, come on, eat. You got to eat some more. That's right. So do you find that it can be difficult though, when you're going out for dinner or are you able to kind of manage still maybe staying within some sort of plan? Cause do you count macros or anything like that when you're, I just follow. So if I'm on prep, I don't typically, unless my coach tells me to go out and have a cheat meal, I don't typically, I, I won't cheat on my diet. So we won't go for Well, we'll go for dinners, but I'll bring, I'll bring my own food with me or if the it's restaurant? some. Yeah. If I have to, I have to, I've done it before. <laughs> Poor Alicia. But yeah. that, I know she gets it though. Cause like she, she gets it. She's just as much into fitness as you are. So I'm sure yeah. she's not going to give you a hard time. <laughs> no, no, she, she gets it. She's super supportive. And that's been one of the reasons why I've been able to be successful, especially in the last couple of years, just because having that person who understands it's, it's huge. It's, it's impossible to do it. If you don't have someone who at least, you know, she doesn't have to live. She doesn't have to compete. Like she doesn't compete, but she just has to understand the lifestyle that I live and that's what she does. So, so when you're doing your prep and stuff and you're making like all these meals for yourself, does she kind of follow the same sort of meal style or same sort of foods? Maybe not as much because like, she's not trying to bulk or does she kind of just do her own thing? She like, I've made uh, meal plans for her in the past and she, she eats very, like she will eat, you know, chicken and rice, chicken, potato, beef and potato, all that stuff. She, she does eat healthy. She'll have a couple more treats than, than me when I'm, especially when I'm on prep because she can. And, and why, why wouldn't she, she feels bad sometimes. She's like, hey, can I eat, can I eat this in front of you? And so, yeah, of course it doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. So I've, I've sat 
while she's eating a burger and fries or pizza and I'm eating my chicken and asparagus on prep, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. So as long as you make it taste good, then like there, you know, I feel like you're more willing to eat it. I I've tried some meal plans before where I've made food and I'm like, I have no desire to eat this at all. But if it's something that like, you know, you have to eat, but you can still make it taste good. Like I bought, what is it? Spice God or something though. I forgot where the flavor God, flavor God. Flavor God. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that was kind of something, I mean, I was never prepping for food, but I was just trying to be a little bit more, you know, um, conscious with what I was eating. And I found that that made things so much more, you know, appetizing (laughs) and I wasn't cheating as much. A lot of, a lot of people think that to, to eat healthy, you you can't, you know, you got to have boiled plain chicken and, and it's, I always tell my clients, spice your food, make sure you're seasoning it well, use, you know, low calorie sauces, like, you know, hot sauce, ketchup, mustard, all that stuff. There's a a million calorie free sauces out there. Now your food doesn't have to taste bad. And I try and give variety in my, in my meal plans, because, you know, for the most part, if it's a competitor who wants to step on stage, yeah, you know, we got to eat pretty strict, but for, for a lifestyle client who isn't planning on stepping on stage, there's so many choices that are enjoyable. Like I have a lot of like chicken Caesar wraps in my clients plans and they're like, I can eat this. And it's like, yeah, of course you can eat it. It's all calculated and, and, you know, calories and macros are accounted for, but you don't have to starve yourself. You don't have to eat boiled chicken and broccoli six times a day. Right. It's yeah. Yeah. I had somebody that gave me a meal plan that was literally eating three chicken breasts a day. I'm like, I'm, I'm not competing. I don't want to eat three chicken breasts a day. Well, the problem, the problem with that is you might do it and you might do it for a week. You might do it for a month. You might do it for six months, but eventually you're not going to do it. And you're going to basically binge and go off plan. And then you're in a worse spot than what you were before, where I try and my biggest thing is longevity and sustainability with clients. So if, if I can teach them because or the reality is they're not going to be my clients forever. And that's fine. You, you have clients come and you have them go, but if you can teach them how to carry on without you, I think that's kind of my job as a coach. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I definitely have so many questions because I want to ask like about fad diets, but I'm going to be conscious of our time. Another question that I wanted to ask is just what, what advice can you give to somebody if they are considering wanting to go into a show, like you mentioned that having a coach is super important. Is there anything else that if somebody's like, Oh, I want to get into prep and I want to start doing a show, like where would somebody start and, and what type of advice would you typically give them? Take your time. It depends on, it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to do well, take your time, don't rush it, put on the amount of muscle that you need to, before you step on stage. If you just want to step, if it's like a bucket list thing, then great, do it, but get a coach. You need a second set of eyes because it's just, even for someone who's done it multiple times, I I don't think I could ever do a prep without a coach just because you need to have someone from the outside looking and giving you object an an objective set of eyes. Cause we're going to, we're going to be our hardest critiques. Always. I'm going to look at myself and always think I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I said it, I said it for my, like a month before my last show and, and yeah, but other than that, yeah, just take your time and that's it. Yeah. I think that's good advice. I feel like people sometimes get nervous trying to go into something like that, but I mean, if you really want to do it, give yourself the opportunity, but 
Yeah. I think having a coach would be so important. Every, everybody that I've spoken to that's gone into like a prep and then done a show has always had a coach, even just for stuff like helping you manage and understand like how to prepare for the show with the food, but also like getting prepared with posing. And that was always my favorite thing was going into the gym and then going into where they used to do yoga and seeing yep. like guys and girls pose. Cause I'm like, yep. I don't know what you're doing, but it looks so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always look at pictures too of people and how they pose. And I'm like, wait, how do I do that? There's always like the, the one typical like girl pose, you know, where they put their leg back and like, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I need to learn that just for my <laughs> own pictures. <sake." laughs> All right. So now let's talk about the fact that you are an online coach. So you were into fitness, have always kind of been into a healthy lifestyle, started doing your prep. And then at what point did you start doing coaching? And has it always been online coaching? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's always been online coaching. I don't have a ton of time for in-person stuff, especially just, I, I don't, I don't particularly have any interest in working in a gym. Obviously gyms don't want just like a freelance personal trainer walking around and you know taking money out of their pockets. So I do, I do online coaching and I love, I love online coaching. I can just, I can reach a lot more people that way as well and help more people. And I started doing that years ago, but it really started taking off within the last year or so. You know, that was partly, partly Alicia's doing just because, oh, really? yeah. So it started with uh, a question and answer I did on Instagram and, you know, she pushed me to do it. She's like, you know, I think you have a lot to offer, like do a question and answer. I think it would do well. And the first one, it kind of blew up. A lot of people asked me if I was doing coaching and I I said I was, and then I just, you know, I fell back in love with doing it. I, I had still had some clients that I had been coaching over the, the years, but I just, it made me even remember like even more how much I love it. So I started taking on a little bit more and now I'm, I kind of capped where I am right now just because I'm busy with work, but yeah, it's, I, I, I love it. And then, so what is your coaching consist of? Is it meal plans as well as training? Yep. Yeah. Meal plans, training. Yeah. And I just basically try and teach them as well. It's not, you know, obviously every coach is going to give you a meal plan and, and give you training, but try and teach them and educate them in a way that again, once they're not my client anymore, they can continue with those healthy lifestyles that I've taught them because it's all about sustainability and going, going forward. Right. And then is your training specifically geared to a certain type of person, like somebody that's trying to get into a competition or do you take on just like kind of anything? All of it. Basically, I, I don't, I, I tailor the person's training towards what their goals are. And that being said, obviously I, I do love training bodybuilders and people wanting to, to compete because that's, that's what I do. But for the majority of my clients, I would say they're, they're lifestyle clients. Cause I mean, bodybuilding competitors, they only take up a small part of society, right? So most of my clients are lifestyle clients who just want to learn better habits and and better their health. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. I actually, now that you say that, I kind of remember you posting at one point, and I don't know if you've done it multiple times where you did have a Q&A. And I remember seeing like how many people were asking you questions and everything that you're posting. I'm pretty sure that I submitted a couple questions being like, help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's fun. I, I just... You never think, like, I never think of myself like that of like, you know, oh, there's got to be a ton of people who are going to want to listen to what I have to say. But I did a couple and, you know, they did well. So it was like, oh, cool. People do want to learn. And and I absolutely love teaching people. So 
I, I try and do them. I, I haven't done one for a bit. I've been a little bit busy with the new job, but I, I think I'm going to do one in the next week or so. And do you typically, you said you're capped right now. Do you typically try to like only train like a certain amount of people in a period of time? Like, do you have programs or is it just like, okay, you want, you have a goal and you try to get that person to a goal or, or kind of like, I, I don't want to say services, but like, what do you typically do in terms of your coaching? So it's, it's all tailored to the client, right? They come to me and they say, this is my goal. And then, you know, if it's, you know, we talk about how realistic it is and, and the timeline that they want, and then basically make a game plan. And if they're down for it, then we make a game plan tailored to what they want. So it all comes down to servicing the client and bringing them and giving them all the information and resources that they can to get to that goal in the most healthy way possible. Because that's another thing you see a lot of coaches do is just, you know, starve clients or whatever. I I'm, all about longevity and sustainability, teaching them to build their metabolism. A lot of people come to me and they're like, you know, I can't, I can't lose weight. I haven't been able to lose weight for so long. And then you find out that they're only eating, you know, a thousand calories or 1200 calories a day. So they're blown away when we actually have to taper their calories up, teach their metabolism to start burning again. And then from there, now we have something to work with. Now we can, you know, taper the calories down a little bit and they're just like, I'm eating more food, doing less cardio and I'm losing weight. And that's kind of like, that's the best feeling because you're like, they had no idea this was possible. Right. Yeah. And, and is there a certain amount of people that you take on? Yeah. I, I, right now I'm capped at about 30. Oh, I, I don't 30. Wow. Yeah. See, I was thinking it was way yeah. less than that. That's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just find that that's kind of what I can manage. I, I have, you know, I built my own little like spreadsheets and programs on my computer that help me manage everything. But I, more than that, it, it gets difficult, especially working a full-time job. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That would be 30 seems like a lot, but I mean, kudos to you. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah, I was up. I was about up to about fifty when I was working my last job, and it was still manageable, just because I had a lot more downtime. But now I don't, so I don't want to neglect any clients, and I want to make them feel like they're getting their money's worth. So I, I cap myself where I feel comfortable. No, and that that totally makes sense. And when you're building your uh, training programs, because it's so tailored specifically to people, do you do gym specific workouts, or do you offer? you know, home workouts and do you find that you can also get good results with home workouts or do you think that the gym is good or better? I should say. The gym is going to have more tools at your disposal for sure. So does someone absolutely need a gym? No, I don't think so. And it was proven during the, you know, year or two years, almost that gyms were closed, right? I had to do a ton of home, home workout programs for people and people got great results. I think the gym can expedite results a little quicker just because, you know, unless someone wants to spend thousands of dollars, you're just not going to have that equipment, which is fine. Uh, but again, it depends if, if you want to be a bodybuilder, no, you're not going to be able right. to be a bodybuilder with bands and, and 10 pound dumbbells at your house. You're just, unfortunately that's, you need a gym for that. But there was lots of people who I helped get in shape and keep in shape while the gyms were closed. And then, you know, as we got back into the gyms, they were able to kind of push a little bit harder and, and go even further. No, that's really good. Yeah, I, I saw quite a few people working out and or just trying to make it work throughout COVID. It was a very interesting time, especially I felt bad for the people that live and breathe in the gym all day because that that's something that I kind of never agreed with when it came to COVID. I understood everything that was going on yeah. and that they had to shut down things, but then you're kind of depriving somebody of 
something that gives them that healthy lifestyle if they're not able to. I mean, in the summertime, you can kind of make it work by going outside and doing things. But then in the wintertime, you know, that's where I enjoy being at least somewhere doing a workout inside. I don't mind being inside, but. Well, it made, it it made no, it made no sense to me. I think everyone was kind of fed up with it and, you know, without going too much into the COVID stuff, because we're all talking about it for, for two years, I'm pretty sure that's all we talked about, but I mean, you can go to the gym, but you could go to Walmart and pick up something, put it back on the shelf. And then the next person would come by and do the same thing. So the rules didn't really make sense. And, and in a, in a way, you know, they're telling us that your immune system is, you know, you need to keep your immune system strong. And I think the gym was actually one of the best things for that. Cause you're, you're always around people. And as gross as it sounds, you're touching things that other people are touching. And my, my immune system's always been super strong because of it. So yeah, it was a, it was a weird time. I mean, if you ask my boyfriend, he's one of the people that would say, I mean, if you don't eat dirt, then you're going to have a bad immune system. Right. He was probably <laughs> a dirt eating kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I have some like questions in terms of, you know, what are your thoughts on like yo-yo diets? So we kind of talked about dieting earlier and you were talking about the consistency. So building a plan for somebody that they're going to be able to maintain long-term where it's not like, okay, you're cutting out all these things, cutting out all these calories. And then, you know, sometimes people can maintain that after a program or they just go back and, and kind of that spikes that, that yo-yo diet that kind of follows with the weight loss, weight gain, weight loss, weight gain. What are your, your thoughts on that kind of topic? That's one of my biggest pet peeves probably in the fitness industry is all the different diets and it, it comes in waves, right? So you'll see, you know, keto diet is like the biggest thing. And then it was carnivore diet. And then it was, you know, there's so many different, so many different diets. And I think they all have something positive that you can learn from them. And I think that they all serve a purpose for different little things like, like a keto diet, for instance, for someone who's trying to reduce inflammation drastically, I think the keto diet can be something that's a a very useful tool because it cuts out a lot of the stuff that creates inflammation in the body and all that. But do I think that it's sustainable long-term for most, for the most part? No, not for, not for a lot of people because people like carbs, people like having potatoes and rice and pastas and stuff like that. So Again, I think that any diet is good if the person can sustain it long-term. If it's something that fits your lifestyle, for instance, I know a lot of people who like intermittent fasting. I have a friend um, and he intermittent fasts. And for him, because of his lifestyle, he likes to get all of his stuff done in the morning. And then he doesn't eat until probably one or two in the afternoon. And for me as a bodybuilder, that doesn't fit my goals. I need to be feeding my body you know, every two to three hours all the time. For him it worked perfectly. And I think he can sustain it long-term. So I think that's a great diet for him. But again, it's, it's whatever fits the person's lifestyle and makes them not want to fall off their diet. So, and that's, that's kind of what I try and teach my clients. And that's why I give them fun options because you don't want to just have them starve themselves. And then, you know, six months down the road, they binge eat and gain 20 pounds and you're in a worse spot than you were before you actually started the diet. Right. And that kind of leads me into another question is what are some like industry misconceptions? Because yeah, the keto diet, I think again, really beneficial for some, but not beneficial for everybody. So what are, what are other industry misconceptions that like just drive you crazy from like a coach standpoint, but also as like a, just a fitness guru standpoint as well? Probably when 
when like it's it's especially for women when women are afraid to lift weights because they think it's going to make them too like bulky, bulky. right they want to look like a man and it's like that doesn't happen like that like that's not what happens most of the the people that these women are looking up to they lift pretty heavy like to to be able to burn body fat to be able to look the way you know to get the the booties that the girls want right mm-hmm. you need to lift weight you need to put on muscle and if you don't have if you don't put on muscle you're not going to you're not going to have those those curves that the the women are after right so it's it's when people are saying they don't want to look like a man i think that one drives me crazy that one and when i used to work at a supplement store people would say you know i want a protein that doesn't make me too big it's like <laughs> I was, if there was a protein that could make you too big, I would have been taking it for the last five (laughs) years. And there isn't protein gets a a bad name. Oh, I don't want to get too bulky, but protein isn't what makes you bulky. It's the excess amount of calories, the, the lifting super, super heavy. And a lot of times in the industry, it's hormones as well that people are taking. So, right. See, I never even thought about that. Like hormones playing a factor into it at all. It's huge. It's, it's, it's present. It's, it's massive in the industry. A lot of people aren't open about it and it's, it's something that is present for men and women. And when you're saying hormones, like, are you meaning like steroids and that kind of stuff? Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Anabolic steroids. It's part of, it's part of competing. There's two streams, obviously there's the natural stream and there's the open stream that's non-tested, but it, it is part of it. And, and a lot of people unfortunately aren't educated on it. So they look up to their their favorite, you know, whatever model that they're looking at, whatever competitor. And, you know, if they don't know that they take certain things, it's, it's, it sucks because it becomes unrealistic. Right. Yeah. And I think that kind of plays into like social media aspects of like, you know, the reality versus what the perception is. And, and I mean, that hits in so many industries, but I feel like in the fitness industry, that is huge because there's always people on social media pushing this image, whether it's a male or a female of like, okay, somebody that's really fit, big, bulky, or really tiny, big butt. And then we know that as years go by, that sometimes these people, maybe they got plastic surgery for a girl's aspect, maybe a guy too, or yeah, maybe they're using hormones and, and you kind of have this skewed thought that like, that's a reality and that's something that you can get to. And then I feel like that defeats people, unfortunately, where people are not as open about that stuff. It does. It does. And that's kind of why I'm, I'm open about everything and why I talked to like, it is a reality. It is part of our industry. And I just think more people need to be open about it because at least that way people go, okay, you know, they're not beating themselves up. Why don't I look like him yet? Right. Like the young kids that are trying to look like their favorite bodybuilder and they don't realize that they're putting hormones into their body that are going to drastically affect the way that they, they look and the way they perform. Right. Definitely. An industry misconception that I've heard and I kind of wanted to ask you about is spot fat removal. Is that even a thing that can happen? Because I hear that that's not even real, but people push that in terms of like workout plans that, okay, yeah, we can work out something that you'll lose weight all in this like area, but no, it's, it's, it's not a thing. It's, it's, that's another one that drives me crazy. People are, oh, I'm going to do all my tricep extensions. Cause I want to lose the, the fat on the back of my arms, or I'm going to do a thousand crunches a day because I want to lose the fat on my belly. Every single person loses fat in a different way. Every single person has different trouble spots, right? So for guys, a lot of times it's in their, their lower stomach and then their, 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 their lower back for women. A lot of times it's in the back of their thighs, like in their butt area. Right. And Unfortunately, you just have to lose fat and your trouble spots are the last spots to go. So for me, 
the rest of my body starts getting lean. And then the, it's just the lower, lower stomach fat before a show. That's the last, the last of it to go. So you just have to get lean enough that it starts going away from those trouble spots too. So okay. un- unfortunately, yeah, it's spot fat reduction is not a thing. You can't do it with any type of movement or exercise. And do you find like, you know, when you are trying to do any like shredding of any sort, it's a combination of doing multiple different muscle groups. It's not just fixating on the one, right? Because they're all kind of, when you think of your body, everything is kind of intertwined, right? Yeah. 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 It's all about balance. And the more muscle you have, obviously, the more the muscle is going to push against the skin. So that also helps you get a little bit leaner. Every, every show that I've done so far, I've gotten a little bit leaner and leaner every single show, just because I've also built more muscle every single show as well. But yeah, in terms, in terms of, of losing fat, it's, it's all about diet and cardio for the most part and, and lifting weights and a balance between all three of them. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. There's no, there's no real magic formula or secret. So do you, do you think that there is any supplements that can help build muscle more? Supplement side. Well, yeah, there's, there's supplements that are going to help for sure. The supplements that I recommend to my clients for the most part are a lot of health supplements. So, you know, vitamin C, D, fish oils, multivitamin greens, priming the body and making sure that you have all the the nutrients and micronutrients that your body needs to grow. Because if you're not functioning at a hundred percent on the inside, your body can't perform and, and build muscle because building muscle is not the easiest thing. So if your body is just so focused on just barely getting by on nutrients, it's not going to have any extra energy to build all this, this muscle that we want. Right. right. So I don't, I don't push a ton of supplements. Obviously there's ones that like the ones I just mentioned that are health supplements, protein powder is extremely helpful, but do you need it? No, you can get it from, from food. I just find a lot of people in their busy lifestyles, a a protein powder is extremely easy and quick, efficient way to get protein in. But for the most part, when I'm on a show prep, I don't have a lot of protein powder. I get most of it from food just because it's going to be more micronutrient dense and vitamins and minerals. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I've done protein powder here and there, usually only if I don't have time to actually mm-hmm. make a meal. But then I just feel like it, I'm not as satisfied. Like I always feel like I'm like, eh, it's not enough. I'm still kind of hungry. 100%. I think that's pretty much it because you answered a couple questions I was going to mention about making women look bulky with lifting <laughs> muscles. But uh, you answered that. I think that's pretty much it that I have to ask before we get into our questions. But before we we segue into that, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd want to talk about before we close it out? Uh, not really. You covered pretty much all the stuff that I, I like to talk about. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's good. All right. That makes me happy. All right. So then we'll finish it off with a would you rather and then I have like a couple this or that. So I'm just going to fire a bunch of things off. You just tell me if you have like a little explanation to anything, feel free to add that as well. Cool. So first off, would you rather do 100 push-ups or 300 sit-ups? Uh, 100 push-ups. Yeah, and not sit-ups. <laughs> the type of burn, the type of burn you get from sit-ups is is a different kind of burn. I, I would much rather do push-ups all day. <laughs> yeah, see, I can't even do like woman push-ups, so I don't even know <laughs> if I would be able to do either. <laughs> would you rather complete a workout without drinking water or without eating food all day? I feel like I know the answer to that without drinking water yeah i definitely need food <laughs> right i think yeah. i would die like i water i drink a lot of but without eating food all day yeah not i would definitely I, it, it would be hard not to drink water during a workout but i i could 
probably do it but without food i'd feel like death during a workout so yeah yeah like pass out would you rather never sweat during a workout or never feel sore after a workout (sighs) right never sweat never sweat during a workout i'd probably feel like i was lazy if i didn't sweat but if i the sore feeling is kind of uh, satisfying knowing that you kicked your body's ass a little bit so Right. Definitely. Like, and I don't know if it's just like me personally, but I always find that like the first day after a workout, I'm like sore, but it's that second day. And I don't know why. Can you tell me why? Uh, Delayed onset muscle soreness. Usually it takes, usually it takes a couple of days, depending on how hard you worked out. Sometimes for me, usually leg day, especially two days after it's way worse. Yeah. Then I can't sit down, can't go up and down the stairs, but that's also the best feeling because then I know I actually did a good workout sure. or I for feel sure. like I did at least. For sure. <laughs> Would you rather have strong arms and weak legs or strong legs and weak arms? See, but <laughs> so I, arms have always been one of my weaker points. So I, you always want what you can't have. So I would say, uh, you know what? No, I'll take strong legs and weak arms because strong legs, are, big legs are hard to build. Yeah, I find that a lot of guys don't focus, or at least from what I can see, a lot of guys don't focus too much on their legs, but I feel like, you know, doing because because leg training because leg training to get big legs, it sucks. Like it's, it's, yeah, I got to go to a crazy place to, to go through those workouts and it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like girls train legs so much more. Maybe it's because we want the booty, but yeah, every guy wants to have the big upper body and every girl wants the the legs and, and booty, right? Exactly. All right. Would you rather have an insanely mean personal trainer and have immediate results or have a super sweet personal trainer and see results after a few months? Mean personal trainer. Yeah. I would always take a mean personal trainer. Yeah. (laughs) You're only dealing with them for an hour. You can deal with that. If they're getting you results that you're not paying, you're not paying them to be your best friend. (laughs) Exactly. Would you rather eat whatever you want and be forced to exercise every day or have a strict diet, but never have to exercise? I would probably, I would probably still take the strict diet. Like I love exercise, but I always, I always say like, if I had to think about what I have to eat on a daily basis, I think I'd go nuts. I love having a, like a regimented plan. I wake up, I know I got to eat this, 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 and this. Yeah. I I feel that. Are you Capricorn? What's your uh, horoscope? Uh, Aquarius. Aquarius. Okay. I I'm a Capricorn and I'm very much like a planner and like, Mm. I don't plan in terms of that hardcore, but even I get HelloFresh and chef's plate and that Mm. just makes my mind feel so much more at ease where I don't have to plan my grocery shopping and figure out what I'm going to eat. And then my last would you rather is would you rather work out in a nudist gym or take class next to someone with bad BO? (laughs) Probably take probably probably I'll take the BO because if you're working out in a nudist gym, you also got to think about sharing benches and stuff with people who probably aren't cleaning off their stuff, right? Yeah, and and seeing a lot of movement happening too when you're lifting. And and you're probably still going to get the BO anyway, so... That, that is true. Well I didn't just think take about the BO. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then I have a couple of this or that. So dumbbells, barbells, or machines. Uh, like it's big dumb- one. Dumbbells. dumbbells, yeah. Bands or weights. Weights. Weights, yeah. Vegan protein or whey protein. Whey protein. Cardio or strength. Strength. Gym or home workouts. Gym. <laughs> and then abs or arms. Arms. I feel like by the end of like this conversation, I'm like, I feel like I know how he's going to answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. I feel like I honestly learned a bunch and I feel like when I put this out, maybe some of my listeners will learn as well. But before we get off, do you want to plug just where people can find you on social media or your online coaching if you have a website where people can reach out to you? Yeah, just uh, usually Instagram is the easiest way to find me. It's just at Macaulia, my first and last name. And yeah, reach out, DM me if you have any questions, coaching, whatever. I, even if it's just to ask me questions, I, I don't charge for that. I just like giving people info if I can. Oh, that's great. And I'll make sure to put your Instagram handle in the episode description when I put it out. So then people can easily find you just in case if they can't spell your last name, right? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on and that's have right. a wonderful night. Bye, Vibers. And for this week's quote, fitness is about so much more than exercise. It's a catalyst for positive changes and it affects every aspect of your life. Beautiful.